You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. The Bible begins this text in chapter number 22, verse number 1, with the word after. It says, and it came to pass after these things. After what? After God doing a whole lot of good things in Abraham's life. After God blessing Abraham in a lot of big ways. God speaking to him like he'd never spoken to a man. God fellowshipping with him in the door of his tent. God having supper with him one evening at his house. God answering his prayer of intercession for the uh, people of Sodom all the way down to just a few people. God answered every time Abraham asked. God answered and said, sure, I'll spare for that. God's done a whole lot in his life. God gave him some compassion and forgiveness when he lied about his wife with Abimelech, and then he answered his prayer for Abimelech and healed him of his sickness. If any man could have been content, kicked back, and relaxed until he went to heaven, it could have been Abraham having seen God been so good in his life. But after those things, God comes back to him again. Now, hadn't God gotten enough out of Abraham? Or maybe we could say it, hadn't Abraham gotten enough out of God? But God said, I've got something more for you if you'll obey my command. Abraham's faith is put to the test. He is tried. The Bible uses the word tempted. Abraham follows through with that. He takes his son Isaac. And it does not say Mount Moriah, but a mountain in the land of Moriah. And I believe it might have been Mount Calvary. And it's interesting how Isaac goes up that mountain with wood upon him. And thousands of years later, the Son of God will walk up the same mountain with wood on him. Isaac is about to be sacrificed, and I'm going to get ahead of myself and preach the whole message. A ram's caught in the thicket by its horns, and the ram dies in place of Isaac. God gives Abraham a reiteration for the fifth time of the covenant that he's made in his life, but this time with more benefit. And he makes the statement, he said, he's sworn by himself. That's the first time God had ever said that. That's the first time God had ever uttered that in the ears of man that he's going to make this promise by himself. And Hebrews tells us because he can swear by nothing greater than himself. And he makes the statement in verse 17, now because you've obeyed, I'm going to bless you on top of your blessing. In blessing, I'll bless thee. And I'm going to multiply you from only having one son to countless sons. He said, I'm going to do something bigger than I've ever done before. For a little while this evening, I want to take us, we're in the first book of the Bible for the last Sunday of the year. And I want to preach on this thought, not not how bad do you want God to bless, but how big do you want God to bless? We're going to have to make a decision as a church collectively and also as Christians individually if we really want to see God do God things in 2022. Because God can But I'm also convinced that God won't if we don't care or we're content not to see it. We're going to have to make a decision. What do you want God to do? The Red Sea part, the lions shut their mouths, the fire falls, all those things. That's the God that we serve today. But how big do you want God to bless? Let's pray. God, I pray for your help tonight. I pray you'd help us to see some truth from this story. And I pray that you'd give me power and liberty as I preach. Help us to put a a powerful capstone on this good year. Thank you for how you've blessed us throughout this year. A lot of things we can look back on and say, look what God did. But I pray we'd have a hunger tonight for something bigger. And I pray that you'd help us to see it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. 
I think you'll understand what I'm going to say. The peculiar, I mean, very evident, very obvious hand of God is something that is very, uh, very elusive, something that's very scarce, is something that is not enjoyed or seen everywhere. I'm going to say that again. I'm talking about that peculiar hand of God on the life of a man or the life of a ministry or on a lady, on a family, that is very elusive. It's very peculiar. It doesn't happen every place. And it doesn't happen in the life of every person. Now, I do believe that that kind of touch of God or power of God, that can be on every Christian's life. But the truth is, it is not on every Christian's life. You're going to have to decide tonight, how bad do you want that? How bad do you want that peculiar hand of God on what you purpose to do in 2022? How big do you want God to bless? Abraham is an amazing man. You read the account of his life all the way through from beginning to end, and Abraham's story is a story that is amazing. From start to summation, it is amazing. On all accounts, if you study his life, Abraham was just a common man, just like us who are sitting in these pews tonight. But God takes this man who could have been easily lost to the annals of history, and he takes his life and uses it in such a way that it did not just make a mark on his own generation, but Abraham's life makes a stamp on the pages of eternity. The grace of God takes Abraham, who was just a common man, and does some very amazing Amazing, uncommon things with his life. There are two things very obvious about this man named Abraham. Number one, and the Bible tells us so, is that God knew Abraham. God knew who this man was. He knew where he was living. He know, knew the culture he was wrapped up in. He knew what kind of faith in God he would have. God knew Abraham. But another thing the Bible teaches us is that Abraham knew God. And can I say that's the greatest testimony that any man, any lady, any father, any mother, any individual could ever have said about them, not this, that, or the other, but if somebody could stand up and say, that man or that lady knew God, that's probably the greatest testimony that anybody could ever make about your life. Now, I want you to notice some things about Abraham. He's a blessed man. If ever there was a man that was no stranger to the blessings of God in his life, it's this man by the name of Abraham. Number one, he is blessed by way of introduction in the fact that he was called out of Ur to go into Canaan land. Abraham is living in a pagan place in a pagan nation wrapped up in paganistic things when the word of God comes to his life and calls him out of darkness, if you will, and into light. That is the goodness of God in the life of Abraham. That's the grace of God, that God would come to where he was. And when he could not go, like the song says, to where he was, he came to him. And God comes to Abram and says, you know what? I'm going to make of you a great nation. If you'll leave the idols, if you'll leave the world, if you'll leave Ur, I'm going to get you to a place where the milk and honey flows. I'm going to take you into an abundant life in the land of Canaan. He was blessed in his calling out. He was blessed in the covenant that God made with him. God promises Abraham that if he'll go by faith, that God will make of him a great nation. He'll go from Abram, a father, to Abraham, a father, or the highest father, a father of many.
many. Not just a physical nation, but God will raise up spiritual, a spiritual seed, a spiritual nation from the loins of Abraham. That man is blessed, if you ask me. He's blessed in his calling out. He's blessed in the covenant that God made with his life. He is blessed, number three, in the communion that he enjoyed with God. God showed up at Abraham's front door one day, and he came to have supper with him. Can you imagine that? We've had some distinguished guests in our home. I mean, we've had most uh, of the staff there, except Ron Lewis. I think he's racist. You never come, Ron. But everybody else has probably been there. You can come next week. But uh, we've had some distinguished company. But could you imagine if God Almighty showed up at your door and said, hey, I've just come to fellowship with you for a little while? Can I say not every other individual in Abraham's generation got to enjoy God the way Abraham had gotten to enjoy God. He's blessed. He's blessed in his calling out. He's blessed in that covenant. He's blessed in his communion. He's blessed in the clemency that God showed him. When Abraham lied about his wife, God did not quit dealing with Abraham, but he gave Abraham grace and let Abraham get right and began to bless him in spite of his faults. What a blessed man he was. And lastly, he's blessed with a child. We'll talk about that tonight. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. I mean, just dead, the Bible says, the deadness of her womb. Abraham, as good as dead, and out of death, God brought forth life and gave them a child, a son of promise. It's very evident from reading the life of Abraham, and you ought to read it as we go into a new year, a man who lived by faith, but it's very evident as you study his life, he knew the blessings of God, he enjoyed the blessings of God, and I believe he he desired the blessings of God. I believe he hungered to know him. I believe he longed to have his fellowship. I believe that he wanted to walk in lockstep with the Lord as you study the life of Abraham. But in chapter number 22, I believe God brings Abraham to a point in his life where he has to battle this question. I know that you've enjoyed the blessing of God, and you might even say you want me to bless you badly, but I want to understand how big big do you want me to be in your life? Now, you know the story. God blesses Sarah and Abraham, and he gives them a child. The Bible says in the beginning of our chapter, after these things, there's been a, a lot of water of blessing under the bridge of Abraham's life. They've been praying for this child. Abraham's been waiting 25 years since God first promised him Isaac. When Sarah heard about this, she laughed out loud. And now listen, don't hold her accountable for that because you probably would have done the very same thing. Could you imagine 75 years old? I mean, here we are, I mean, 90 now and 100, and they're going to give birth to a baby? If you'd have seen Abraham and Sarah going down the street, you would have thought they were ready for Geritol, but not baby powder. I mean, they're not, yeah. They're ready to maybe be in diapers, but not change them. Amen. But anyway, here they are. I mean, they're old, pushing a century. And God says, I'm going to give you a son. Now, I want you to consider three things about this text. The place God is going to send Abraham is called the land of Moriah. Moriah means teaching or instruction. So God is saying, Abraham, I want your head. I want you to let me teach you some things. Get to the land of Moriah. He sends him there to this land of Moriah. 
by them. The purpose, the purpose of this is to test Abraham's faith, but also to give Abraham a testimony or a revelation of God that he'd never gotten before. And at the end of the story is the promise where God reiterates for the fifth time the covenant he'll make in the life of Abraham. Now think about it. How many nights do you think they prayed for that son? I mean, how many times do you think that they set their table and talked it over? How many days do you think they wondered, will, will it happen this year that God will give us that son of promise? When's it going to happen that from our household is going to rise up this one and sooner or later our seed will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and then by and by God blessed and Sarah gives birth to Isaac. No doubt Abraham loved that son, his son of promise. I mean, his name is laughter. It went from the laughter of skepticism to the laughter of praise and joy and worship that God had fulfilled his promise. Can you imagine how difficult it would have been whenever God came to Abraham and said, I've got a plan for your life. I, I want to speak to you for a minute. I want you to take your son, Isaac, and he, he makes it very specific. He said, your only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. He said, he's your possession. He's your passion. He said, I want you to take your son that you love, not Ishmael, but Isaac, and I want you to go to Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer Isaac as a burnt offering on an altar. You know what he's doing? He's saying, Abraham, I want you to give me your dreams. I want you to give me your hopes. I want you to give me your future. I want you to give me your aspirations. I want you to give me your plans. I want you to give me what you think is coming up down the road. You've waited for it. You've longed for it. You prayed for it. You've asked for it. I've given it to you. And now I want it back. I want to say, hadn't God gotten enough out of Abraham? Hadn't Abraham gotten enough out of God? But can I say, God is not after Isaac. God is after Abraham. And he wants to teach him some things in this text. Abraham has already sacrificed a whole lot. And now God asks him to sacrifice his son. I'm wondering as I read this, why Isaac? Why this son of promise? I mean, why in the world, God, are you asking him to do something that goes against nature? It goes against Bible principle. It goes against the parental affection. It must have been a, a little bit of a tr problem when Abraham went to his wife and said, by the way, I'm going to kill our boy today. What in the world are you doing? But I think this is what God is doing. He's wanting to see just how big Abraham wants God to be in his life. I mean, if God was big in earth, he might show himself big on Mount Moriah. If God was big with Abimelech, he might show himself big on the mountain. If God was big in all these other situations, now he wants to see, Abraham, you've tasted and seen that I'm good, but would you like a little bit more? Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to take your affection. You're going to have to take your plans. You're going to have to take your desire. You're going to have to take what I've given you and be willing to give it back to me. Here's the question. Abraham, are you content or are you hungry? Are you satisfied or do you want more? Are you fulfilled? or would you like to see me move in a greater fashion than I ever have before? And you know the story. Abraham makes the right decision. By faith, he sets out the very next day. He goes and takes two men, his son, and he goes and cleaves the wood. Can you imagine? He is chopping down that wood that he knows is going to be the wood for the burnt offering of his son. He goes and travels for two nights and three days. For three days this goes on where Isaac is a sacrifice 
situation. Isaac is submissive. I mean, for three days they travel. His heart must have wrestled within his breast as he thought, I don't want to give up my son. I love my son. I don't know if God's going to come through. But faith kept pushing him forward. He kept traveling on. He makes the statement at the base of the mountain. And he said, you stay here, fellas. Me and the lad are going to go yonder and worship. I like that for two reasons. Number one, it shows great faith in God because he was going to make Isaac a burnt offering. That means he'd chop him up into pieces. That means he'd drain all the blood from his body. Yet he had enough faith to say that if God can give him to me the first time, God can give him back to me the second time. That is faith in God. And the second reason I like it is that he said yonder. Say amen right there. That's hillbilly language if I ever heard it. They go up on the mountain, verse number six, Abraham takes the wood, the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac, his son. There's Isaac, that submissive son, bearing that wood up that mountain, knowing full well they don't have a lamb, they don't have anything to offer as a sacrifice, and yet he goes. Isaac makes the statement, he said, I see the wood, I see the fire, but where is that lamb? Abraham makes another statement by faith. He said, God will provide himself a lamb. They get up on the, uh, the pinnacle of that mountain. The Bible said in verse 9, they came to the place. Sounds a lot like Luke 22 or 23, 33, the place. They came to the place which is called Calvary. They built an, offer, uh, an altar there to offer Isaac on. They laid the wood in order, it says. They bound Isaac, laid him on the altar. Now think about this. Isaac is a good type of Christ, and I won't preach on that tonight, but he could have very easily, as a teenager or maybe in his early 20s, he could have outran Abraham. He could have out-wrestled Abraham, but he obviously laid down his own will and let Abraham bind him and let Abraham lay him on that altar. And there's Abraham. I mean, his heart, again, must be within him, just, just wrestling back and forth as he takes that knife and he had to sharpen the edge of that knife no doubt thinking about this moment and he takes that knife and he lifts it high and as he lifts it high and begins to bring it down a voice cries out and says Abraham Abraham and that really stirs me up because it said it was the angel of the Lord that cried out to Abraham you know who that was I believe that was the Lord Jesus Christ maybe on Mount Calvary calling out to Abraham and the Bible says in the book of Galatians that Abraham had the gospel preached unto him can you imagine having the gospel preached to you by the gospel, I mean, having Jesus preached to you by Jesus, having Christ preached to you by Christ himself, and he said, Abraham, don't do this. He said, now I know you fear God. He said, over there's a ram caught in a thicket. Two things are weird about that. It's a weird situation. It's a weird sight. It's odd because there shouldn't be a ram on that mountain, and if there is a ram, it doesn't have enough sense than to get caught by its horns, and then also there are no thickets in that area of the world. Can I say that? See, odd, but that's not odd. That is God in providence. He put something there to provide a picture of the gospel generations before so the gospel could be preached unto Abraham and he can see the day of Jesus and be glad that ram is caught by his horns. It's authority in those thorns, a type of sin, a perfect picture of Jesus who was then taken and put in the place of Isaac. That ram was laid there and that ram was sacrificed and it was its blood that was shed, not Isaac's, and Isaac and Abraham kneel at that altar and sing, thank God I'm saved, saved, saved. He'd been a sacrifice, he'd been a willing servant, but now he strolls back down off that mountain, saved and spared, thank God, three days. Isaac went from being a sacrifice to walking off of the altar. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Abraham got to see God in a way nobody had ever seen God before. 
He got to hear a word from God like any, unlike anybody else had ever heard from God before. And it was all contingent on him being willing to step out by faith and offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Now here's the whole message. How big do you want God to bless? That peculiar hand of God, that, 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 that special touch of God on somebody's life, that anointing on a ministry, that's very rare. That's very peculiar. It's very el elusive. Now, I know there's people in here from other churches, and maybe your church isn't like the ones that I've been to, but just about every other church I go to is depressing. You wonder why church attendance is down. You'd have to be crazy to attend. You say, well, I can't get them to come back Sunday night. Who wants to go to a funeral twice in one day? Bless your heart. Bad singing, bad preaching, bad offerings, bad odors, everything's bad. It's, it's, a, it's a sad Not every place has the hand of God on it. But you've got to make a decision. How bad or how big do you want God to be in this new year? We can just go ahead and mark off dates like any other year and be content just to kind of coast if you want to coast. But wouldn't it be something to see God do something, just blow the roof off the thing, blow the walls out, pack the place out? I mean, I understand this is a pretty good crowd for the Christmas hangover that everybody has. We're here on a Sunday night, the day after Christmas. Everybody's like, well, shouldn't we have canceled church for Jesus' birthday? Probably not. So here we are at church on Sunday night. It's a decent crowd. But could you imagine, I mean, what God could do? I mean, there's, there's millions of people within a stone's cast of our church. Don't you think we could fill this place up? Don't you think we could do that? You say, I don't really think so. Well, then you don't want to listen to the rest of the message. But I, I think we probably could. But the question is, how big do you want God to be in your life? It's amazing how we compartmentalize God down to our own ability or our own, uh, 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 our own ability to get something accomplished. Can I say, God can't be boxed in. God can't be minimized to what you can do and I can do. God can do anything but fail. He asked Sarah, as Sarah laughed at him, he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? He said, if you can think it, man, I can do it. And if you can't think it, I can do that as well. You can't put a number on it. You can't measure it out. You can't put any boundary, no horizon. God says, I can show up, show off, and show out, but you've got to want me to be big in your life. How big do you want God to be? I tell you, we sure need revival. I asked her, to, my wife, to sing that song on purpose. We need revival. Revival is not just a luxury. Revival is a necessity, but how big do you want God to be? Yeah, there's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of opposition. There's going to be a whole lot of internal work with the average Christian just to get them in a place where they can even have it. But God can send it. I believe souls could... We had people baptized this morning. I believe we could have people baptized every surface if we wanted it. But how big do you want God to bless? I know the, the buses, it's hard, isn't it, because of COVID. I understand that, and, and the lim, we have limits. But I, I believe probably we could probably have more than we do on the buses. Not that there's not effort. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't you think God could bless bigger? Don't you think he could bless bigger? I believe, I believe America still needs a church that is known for the bus ministry. And I know there's churches with bus ministries, and I know there's some that have good ones. But, I mean, shouldn't there be a church, especially in a place where they say that you can't do that in that area? Shouldn't there be a place that just packs out the buses? I mean, but how big do you want God to bless? We saw the choir this morning, and, and we don't bring attention to that. Brother Alvin does, but the rest of us don't. Man, we don't bring attention to that. It was low, wasn't it? It was low. I mean, you could have shot a shotgun through there and not hurt a soul. But anyway, it was low. But tonight it was packed. Don't you like it better like that? But can I say something? We have these side bleachers, and we'll even... We 
We'll even draft Brother England to get in the choir because if there's that many people, we won't hear him anyway. But I mean, wouldn't it be something? Just fill up that side balcony. I thought you were going to sing with the boys, and I was about to uh, uh, nauseous on the on the. Anyway, I, I, here he is. I mean, can, what did you imagine? Fill up both sides of these bleachers. I mean, with people singing in the choir. I mean, our orchestra is good, but how big do you want God to bless? And I'm not talking about being big just for the sake of being big. I'm talking about being big for the sake of glorifying God. Let God show Himself as God. God wants to do something that can't be explained, that can't be taken credit for, where man just has to step back and say, you know what? We didn't do that. We couldn't do that. We couldn't even think that. That is God, and it's marvelous in our sight. There have to be three things in the life of Abraham that we have to have. Number one, faith in God. 2022, faith in God. If you want God to bless big, you're going to have faith in God. Abraham was not a great builder. He wasn't a great preacher. Wasn't even a great leader. Wasn't a great singer. But he was a great man of faith. His testimony is Abraham believed God and it was counted on him for righteousness. One thing we all have in common is we have a measure of faith. And I wonder what God could do in a new year if we take our faith and deposit it in God. And just say, you know what, I'm going to trust God for God things. What is faith? Faith is dependence. Faith is trust. The preacher mentioned it earlier. Faith is just utter, total reliance upon God. I like what it says about Abraham in the book of Romans. He staggered not at the promises of God. When God showed up and said, you know what, Abraham, you're a century. I mean, you're Sarah, your wife Sarah is old as well. He said, I'm going to give you a baby. He, he, didn't go, he didn't go back and say, I'm having the big one. He didn't stagger. He didn't doubt. He didn't mock. He just said, you know what, if God said it, I believe it. That settles it. That's all there is to it. I believe God can get the job done. What could God do with a church full of people like that? I mean, a church full of people that wouldn't stagger stagger at the promises of God. We sing the song, I'm standing on the promises. Standing on the promises, I shall not fail. Though the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. And if somebody would just have faith in God, what could God do? Faith in God. Faith in God is what built the ark. Faith in God is what brought the walls of Jericho down. Faith in God is what got the Hebrew children through the fiery furnace. Faith in God is what does the impossible. Amazing things, faith in God. Number two, not just faith in God, but Abraham had fear of God. The Bible said, now I know thou fearest me. He feared the Lord. If you want God to bless big, you're going to have to have some fear of God. I'm talking about a reverential respect for God in his word. God is not, I appreciate this, but God is not the big man upstairs. He's not the country music God who drinks beer on Saturday night and comes to church in his boots on Sunday morning. He's not the professional athlete God that lets you go run around, I mean, <clears throat> wear your, uh, your, your chains and whatever, get tattooed up and then kneel in an end zone and thank God that you caught a, a ball. Everybody all right? He's a holy, holy, holy God. He is Lord, He is God, He is Almighty. He is Jehovah, He's the God of all, the Lord of all. He's the Lord of hosts, and He's a God that ought to be respected and feared. You say, I sure want God to bless big, then you better live according to His Word and have some fear of God. Yeah. Lastly, you have to have faith in God. The fear of God, it's not alliterated, forgive me. You have to be obedient to God. <clears throat> Abraham obeyed, it says in the end of that text. I take the time to write out an outline, I get up here and just don't have time for it. I got points, I got verses and all that. He obeyed God. The simple way, we, we talk about this when we do chapel for the little kids. Obedience is the very best way to show that you, what? Believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, right? 
immediately doing it. What makes a great Christian? Just obeying God. Every day, getting up, letting your feet hit the carpet, doing what God told you to do. And then the next day, you get up, let your feet hit the carpet, do what God asked you to do. And the next day, you do the same and just obey God. Honestly, I believe it. We have Wednesday night, so we'll have one more service. Last Sunday night, how big do you want God to be in 2022? Could expand missions. Could expand, I mean, the debt could be paid off. There's all kinds of things that God could do. But how big do you want him to be? And what might it be that you have to be willing to give to God or sacrifice or say, you know what, here it is, so that God could be that way in your life? I'm going to pray the altar be open. We need revival. Our country needs to know there's a God in heaven. There's got to be one place that goes against the grain. While everybody else is digging their hole in the graveyard and about ready to roll over and die, there ought to be a place that just lives on, does something for God. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.